This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Good morning and welcome to Leading Off with True Blue LA. This is your host, Eric Steven. It is Friday, July 8th. Uh, the Dodgers have won four straight, although uh, got a little uh, too close for comfort, I would say, in the ninth inning. The the bullpen uh, suffered a few setbacks um, in sort of the, the latest um, in a series of them this season, but they, they still sort of um, at least in total, seem to be getting the job done, but uh, we'll see how long this lasts. But, um, yeah, the Dodgers have won four straight. They, the big blow um, was Bruzdar Gratterall. He relieved Tony Gonsolin, um, who went seven innings. Gratterall started the eighth. He only threw four pitches. He got an out. And then facing his second batter, he sort of grimaced after his fourth pitch. Um, and then, uh, talking to the trainers, he was pointing to his side. The Dodgers said he had right side soreness after the game. Um, they showed on Sportsnet LA, uh, Dave Roberts said, um, uh, Gratterall has a cramp. Um, they don't really know the, you know, what's going on until they sort of do testing. He said he wouldn't rule out the injured list. Um, you know, I always, my, my, my thought on this usually is it's never, you're never going to get much asking about an injury like immediately after the game, unless it's like very serious. Like they knew Daniel Hudson, I mean, pretty much tore his ACL. They confirmed it the next day, but they knew it was serious after the game. But for the most part there, it's kind of a guessing game. So I, I think people tend to run with whatever said in the post game and be like, Oh, see Dave Roberts is, you know, underselling again, he, he kind of does that, but like he's, it's a, it's in a no win position <laughs> right after the game. But the fact that he said they're not ruling out the IAL, you know, considers that, but also you have to look at the time on the schedule. Um, the all-star breaks coming up. So like gaming this out again, we'll, we'll find out more on Friday. I'm sure about Gratterall with whatever test they run, but if they put him on the injured list on Friday, that means he could come back as early as uh, Saturday the 23rd, which is the third game after the All-Star break. Uh, the Dodgers play four games against the Giants, and um, he would if he missed the minimum 15 days on the injured list, he would only miss 10 games because of the All-Star break, and the Dodgers also have this weird um, Sunday day off coming up next weekend when um, in their, their last week before the break. Um, but yeah, so like you could see that even as like a sort of a precautionary IL even, but I mean, I'm sure if he can pitch, he can pitch. Um, Gratterall leads the team in appearances this year. He's been getting, you know, high leverage roles pretty much the whole time. Uh, even record, he's recorded a couple saves in the last few weeks. Um, they're getting saves from a lot of people because, uh, Craig Kimbrell keeps sort of struggling. Um, so tonight he came in with a 5-2 lead. In the ninth, struck out the first two batters, um, but then allowed a 
single to center and then sort of a pop fly bloop double to right uh, that was just out of the reach of Mookie Betts. But it was one of those where I think this is one of those situations where, where his broken ribs still not fully 100%. So I think he's sort of been reticent at least uh, and like possibly ordered to to take it easy a little bit in the outfield. So a play he might have like went all out for. Um, if fully healthy, who, who knows, but like he just, just missed making the play, the catch on it, but, um, that scored a run and then Kimbrell walked a guy and then they took him out. He threw a season high 31 pitches, only recorded the two outs. So it's five, three at this point, tying runs are on base. They brought in Alex Vesia. Uh, he struck out uh, the last batter and got the save. It was his second save of his career. First save of the season. The Dodgers have five different pitchers uh, with saves this year. Uh, three of them in the last four games not named Craig Kimbrell, Bruce Dargraderall, um, Yancy Almonte, and now Alex Vesia. So, uh, you know, Kimbrell, it, it's you don't you don't really know. Like he's given up a run, and so I forgot the total. It's like something of over half of his last like sixteen or seventeen appearances, something like that. Um, the command just doesn't seem to be there. The stuff, you know, seems pretty good, um, but it doesn't really help if you don't if you don't have the command. And you're sort of seeing that. So it's like some nights he looks really good. And then other other times, like, he's just a little off. Like, he struck out the first two batters, looked okay. And then, you know, kind of the wheels fell off. But we'll, we'll see what's going on there. But, like, the, the bullpen is already without, um, you know, Blake Trinan, Tommy Canely, uh, Daniel Hudson for the year. Uh, those first two, uh, Trinan and Canely, you know, might be back in August or something. There's no real set timetable for any of these folks so you never really know but they're they're sort of getting by but everyone asks like what are the Dodgers going to do with the trade deadline you have to think uh, reliever is up there but as we've t- discussed many times um there they should go after a lot of uh things so we'll, we'll, it's going to be a busy uh, trade deadline I think in a few weeks but there's plenty of time to think about that now um as for earlier in the game um uh two um all-Stars for the Dodgers did very, very well. Uh, the Dodgers hit four home runs. Uh, Mookie Betts hit two of them. Later today on Friday when phase two of the fan voting is over and uh, the, the All-Star starters are announced, I would be shocked if Mookie Betts is not starting in the National League in the outfield. Uh, he'll be the, it would be the fourth time he's starting an All-Star game. He did so three times with Boston. You know, 2020, he was really good for the Dodgers, but that was a shortened season and there was no All-Star game. So uh, he made the All-Star team last year, but did not play because he was sort of nursing his various injuries, including the hip stuff. Um, But yeah, this year looks like he he would play, and it's obviously at Dodger Stadium. Trey Turner could potentially uh, start it short, I believe, in the sort of uh, mid or whatever results they MLB announced earlier um, Thursday, um, Trey Turner and Dansby Swanson are running 50, 50, uh, at shortstop in the national league. So whoever gets the most votes out of those two through, um, later Friday, um, gets the starting nod. We'll, we'll find out Friday afternoon. And then of course, Tony Gonsolin fans don't vote for the pitchers, but Tony Gonsolin's going to make the all-star game, uh, one way or the other, whether he starts is another, uh, question, uh, there's been growing sentiment uh, from different people about having Clayton Kershaw start. It would be like he's having a, a fine season, right? Don't get me wrong, but that would be a purely sentimental choice, and it, I'm not necessarily against it, right? Like there have been years where he deserved to start the All Star game and didn't. Um, 
but yeah, so like that's possible. But also Sandy Alcantara for the Marlins has been ridiculously great, and he's going like seven, eight innings every single time out. So uh, he's also a worthy choice, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Gonsolin definitely going to make the all-star team. He went seven innings for the second start in a row. Um, gave up a two-run home run earlier, which was notable because that was only the third time he's given up more than one run in an inning this year. He's only had five starts where he gave up more than one run. He's he has he still leads the major leagues in ERA. He improved to eleven and zero, having an excellent year. Um, yeah, that's that's sort of where the Dodgers are at uh, heading into the weekend. Um, we have uh, some other news uh, after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Some sad news uh, uh, coming just before uh, Thursday's Dodgers-Cubs game. Uh, the team announced that um, Mike Brito, uh, a longtime um, scout um, who you know brought countless players from Latin America and Mexico, uh, specifically to the Dodgers, uh, he worked for the team for just about 45 years, um, passed away. He was 87. Um he famously uh, signed uh, Fernando Valenzuela out of Mexico in 1979. But also, there, like um, he, all his first uh, signee with the Dodgers was Bobby Castillo, a pitcher um, who Brito had faced in the Mexican League a few years prior. Um, and once Castillo was with the Dodgers, and then Valenzuela was with the Dodgers, Brito got Castillo to teach. Um, Valenzuela, the, the screwball in instructional league in 1979. And as the rest, as they say, is history. Um, but yeah, like, like, even if you look at that move alone, right, just like the guy who, who discovered Fernando Valenzuela, that's, that's enough to sort of build a career on, but he did so much more than that. Um, he signed, you know, countless players through the years. Um, he was part of the, um, the, the group that, uh, went down the legend, now legendary, I think, um, uh, scouting trip to Mexico in 2012 that the, the, the main sort of goal there was um, signing uh, Yasiel Puig, which they did. They also signed a pair of Mexican pitchers, uh, Victor Gonzalez and uh, someone named Julio Urias. Uh, so one of the more productive uh, scouting trips you'll ever see, um, Ishmael Valdez uh, was in there, uh, Juan Castro, Antonio Asuna, uh, which, who was a player, you know, I watched sort of in in my, uh, I guess he was more college years for me, but yeah, he was around. But um, one of the other stories, so he, Brito, you know, uh, born in Cuba, played in the minors, then played in the Mexican League. He was sort of, and, and then with signing Valenzuela, he, he sort of added to his legendary status in Mexico, such to the point where he, he would go back, like uh, he'd be either be like managing in the Mexican League or just, be doing something with Valenzuela, perhaps, or with not, uh, or without. And, you know, people would come up to him and say, hey, you should sign me for the Dodgers. There was a story in the San Bernardino Sun in 1997, uh, I found from Steve Dilbeck, um, where uh, a little a kid who was either, depending on the, <laughs> I guess this Dilbeck wrote, depending on 
when he tells the story. But um, the, the kid uh, was seven or nine years old, uh, asked Brito if he would sign him to the Dodgers. And Brito just sort of brushed him off a little bit and said, sorry, kid, I only signed left-handers. And that kid was Dennis Reyes, who did throw right-handed at the time, but took his advice to heart, learned to throw left-handed, ended up getting signed not only by the Dodgers, but by Brito. And um, so what's notable with Reyes, too, that he was left-handed, so he, the comparisons were so obvious when, when he came up. He's sort of the like a roly-poly left-hander, kind of looked like Fernando in that regard. So the comparison where that kid was sort of doomed from the start in that, like, oh, he's going to be the next Fernando, no pressure, you know, that kind of a thing. But his start in 1997, his Major League debut, was notable because Reyes being a left-hander, um, he he stopped a string of 681 uh, consecutive starts by Dodgers right-handed pitchers. So it dated back to, like, uh, Bobby Ojeda in... Uh, he was the last lefty in like September of 1992, so they went almost five seasons without um, having a left-handed starter, which is just incredible. It's more quirky than anything else, but I just thought that was funny because, you know, the, as the story goes, uh, Brito as it, told him as a kid, like, eh, we only really signed left-handers, like, and, and you, you know, he's probably kidding, right? But like, <laughs> Danny Reyes being like just took that to heart and then ended up making the major, so. So good for him. Brito, like, even if you didn't know him as the guy who signed Valenzuela, he was always noticeable, um, like, especially in the 80s and, and into the 90s where he was the guy you could sort of see on television uh, behind home plate in the Panama hat, oftentimes with a cigar, holding the radar gun, like, just charting pitches. Like, that was sort of his his spot and... Um, very noticeable there. There was another uh, thing in the San Bernardino Sun back in 88. Uh, Brito said uh, he they pegged the radar gun. At, he's, they called it the $2,000 radar gun, which, you know, I don't know how much radar guns are these days. I think they're I'm pretty sure they're cheaper than that. But, like, that that's an expensive price for then. Um, but he said, uh, even when I go to the jungle, uh, you never know where you're going to find a pitcher. He could be throwing stones and killing birds in the jungle. He, he said he took the the radar gun everywhere with them. But uh, in recent years, I, I've said this before, one of the cool things about the, the Dodgers, and I'm sure other teams do this as well, but the Dodgers seem to do this very well. They um, integrate their past in into, um, you know, the present team and, and sort of try to link uh, people to the past. And uh, we, we saw, like, you know, Don Newcomb was around for years uh, before he passed. Uh, Mike Brito was a presence all the time at Dodger Stadium. He, he um, be on the field, you know, on the field before the game. Uh, he'd be in the press box often. It was really cool because, uh, especially in later years, like he was there even this year. Uh, I remember seeing him in the. I sat next to him in the playoffs uh, for a game last year uh, for a few innings, and I looked down and and this happened a lot. But he would wear like every uh, championship ring. That he that he got with the Dodgers, and I think including a few like pennant rings, but so like both hands were like filled with rings. It was pretty funny, but like you know, it's just like these symbols of like how much influence he's had in the organization. So uh, very sad, uh, but what a what a tremendous baseball life, and just opened the doors for so many um, so many players uh, to get to the majors, and um, just just act, just a a great baseball life. So uh, farewell. 
uh, Mike Brito, and uh, we will talk to you next week. (laughs) 